Genesis 1, 1 and 1, 31 through 2, 3. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. Thus says, thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it, God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. Exodus 28 through 11. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. And on it, on it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant, or your female servant, or your livestock, or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Deuteronomy 5:12 and 15. Observe the Sabbath day to keep it holy as the Lord your God commanded you. You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. And Hebrews 4, 1 through 10. Therefore, while the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us fear lest any of you should seem to have failed to reach it. For good news came to us just as to them, but the message they heard did not benefit them because they were not united by faith with those who listened. For we who have believed enter that rest, as he has said, as I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Although his works were finished from the foundation of the world, for he has somewhere spoken of the seventh day in this way, and God rested on the seventh day from all his works. And again, in this passage, he said, they shall not enter my rest, since therefore it remains for some to enter it, and those who formerly received the good news failed to enter because of disobedience, Again, he appoints a certain day, today, saying through David so long afterward, in the words already quoted, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken of another day later on. So then, therefore, there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God, for whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works as God did from his. Amen. Good morning, everyone. I'm Charles McKnight, the assistant pastor here at Christ Central Church. And we continue this morning in our explicit lyrics sermon series. For those that may be visiting with us for the first time this morning, this is a topical sermon series on those aspects of Christian belief and practice that those who hold a non-biblical worldview may find strange and even offensive. 
Today's explicit lyric, remember the Sabbath day. And this particular explicit lyric, remember the Sabbath day, comes from the explicit track, the fourth commandment, straight off the explicit album titled The Ten Commandments. Now, before we dive into this explicit lyric, we need to state a few things related to what we believe about these increasingly controversial Ten Commandments. First, yes, here at Christ Central Church, we believe, along with the majority of Christians who hold to historical, orthodox understanding of the Christian faith, that God's moral laws summarized in the Ten Commandments are still to be followed today. We believe God expects all people throughout all times to follow all his moral commands. We believe that failure to follow any of God's commands with both the attitude and the action that it requires is sin. We also believe that no one except only one man, Jesus Christ, the Son of God who became man, has ever perfectly lived up to God's moral standards. And thus all people are guilty of breaking God's moral law and are barred from the hope of everlasting life based on their own merit. Therefore, we believe it's only by faith in Christ's perfect obedience to the law and sacrificial death on our behalf that we receive forgiveness of our sins and the gift of eternal life. We believe that salvation is by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ Jesus alone, not by works of the law. Yet still, we believe that God's moral law, crystallized in the Ten Commandments, still serves a foundational role in this world and uniquely in the lives of believers today. Specifically for believers, we believe that God's moral law is like a map, a map that serves as a guide to the way a believer is to live in order to both please God, to bring blessings in this life, and to prepare us for the next life. All in reliance on the Holy Spirit, which he gives those who believe. To put it simply, we believe Jesus' declaration in the Gospel of John when he said, speaking to his disciples, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. These beliefs are surely strange and maybe even offensive to some, but nonetheless, this is what we believe. Therefore, when God commands us to remember the Sabbath day, we believe he fully intends for us to obey it out of love for him and trust that his way is a better way even better than our own. And so with that, we'll spend the remainder of our time this morning exploring what loving and trusting obedience to God's command to remember the Sabbath day looks like for God's people today. What should remembering the Sabbath day look like for a believer? We will see the answer that Scripture provides is the simple yet utterly profound answer of rest. Remembering the Sabbath day looks like resting, both physical and spiritual resting. And we first see this physical rest modeled by God himself in the beginning. 
Look back with me at our Genesis verses. Starting at Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Then verse 31. And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning the sixth day. Then chapter 2. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work he had done. So God blessed the Sabbath day, and he made it holy, because on it God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. We find here, in the beginning, God Almighty creating the heavens and the earth. Now, we didn't include the whole creation account in your bulletin, but what you'll find in verses 2 through 30 is a creator God with nothing but the boom of his divine sovereign voice creating the earth and everything in it out of nothing and in six days. Earth and space Time and light, the atmosphere, land and plants, the sun, moon and stars, the sea and all the creatures in it, birds and animals, and last but certainly not least, on the sixth day, God made something like him in his own image, in his own likeness, endowed with authority over all of his perfect creation. On the sixth day, God Almighty created man, humanity, male and female, Adam and Eve, the crown of his perfect creation. In verse 31, in our Genesis text, tells us that God stepped back on the sixth day and he peeped all his handiwork and he said, this is good. As a matter of fact, this is very good. Then in verse 2 of chapter 2, we see that on the seventh day, the creator God rested. It says, from all the work he had done, God rested. He ceased. He stopped doing what he had been doing the other six days. He sabbat in the original Hebrew language. He sabbathed on the seventh day. And so on the seventh day of creation, God himself established the general principles for the Sabbath by sabbatting, by Sabbathing himself. Finally, verse 3 of chapter 2 tells us that God not only rested on the Sabbath day, he also blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. God made the seventh day holy, which means he set it apart. He made it unique. He made it distinct. He made it a special day, a day unlike the others. God made the seventh day a holy day, the very first holiday. And God rested and holified the seventh day as a model, as an example of how his image bearers, male and female, Adam and Eve and all humanity after them, are to honor his work in creation by physically resting, by Sabbathing. Put it another way. God himself set the pattern for Sabbath rest. The same Sabbath rest he explicitly commands in his fourth commandment. 
Again, the fourth commandment is one of ten commandments. God originally provided his people, Israel, as they marched out of Egyptian slavery and towards the promised land of Canaan. These ten commandments capture the pattern of life God expects and invites his people to live both before him and with each other. And in the fourth commandment, God calls his people to share in Sabbath rest. Look with me at the beginning of our Exodus passage, verse 8. It reads, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Now, a side note related to the actual day of the Sabbath. Scripture teaches that the Sabbath day from the beginning of creation to the resurrection of Christ was the last day of the week. But beginning with Christ's resurrection, which happened on the first day of the week, Scripture reveals that the Sabbath was changed to the first day of the week, which is Sunday. The New Testament simply refers to this as the Lord's Day. So when we speak today of remembering the Sabbath, we're referring to the Lord's Day, Sunday, today. Now God tells his people that they are to remember the Sabbath day. And to remember is more than just a cognitive exercise. It's more than just bringing back to mind God's redemption and God's work in creation. This remembrance is an action remembrance. It's like remembering your seatbelt or remembering your homework or remembering your wedding anniversary. There is an implied expectation that your remembering will be accompanied by appropriate actions. Amen? To remember your seatbelt means what? You strap it on. To remember your homework means that you actually do it and show up with it in class when it's due. Right, students? Right? To remember your wedding anniversary means you're expected to actually do something to recognize it. Am I right, married men? You try rolling in your house on your wedding anniversary with nothing but the memory of your wedding in your head and nothing in your hand, and you let me know how that works out for you. When God commands that we remember the Sabbath day, he expects some concrete demonstration of our remembrance. And this expectation is even more explicit in our Deuteronomy 5 passage. Here, Moses is reminding Israel once again of God's moral commands in preparation for entering the promised land. And in his rehearsal of the fourth commandment, he says what? Look there with me, Deuteronomy 5.12. It reads, observe the Sabbath day. Now, observe is a synonym of remember. But to observe more precisely points to the expectation of an action. We ask things like, how did you observe your birthday? How did you observe your graduation day? How did you observe the 4th of July? And when we ask, we want to know, how did you honor and celebrate that particular special occasion, right? God calls his people to actively remember, to observe to honor, to celebrate the Sabbath day. And God tells us that the aim and goal and the purpose of the celebration of the Sabbath 
is to keep it holy. The beginning of our Exodus passage says, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. And the Deuteronomy passage says the same thing, to keep it holy, to keep it, again, set apart, to keep it unique, to keep it distinct, to keep it a special day, a holiday, a day like any of the other six days. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. So the question now becomes, how are we supposed to remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy? How are we to go about celebrating the Sabbath day as to make it the special day, the holiday it is? The answer, according to our Exodus text, is that we celebrate it the same way God did, with physical rest. Look with me at the Exodus 20, verse, verses 9. Let's look at 9 through 11. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant or female servant or your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. In other words, just like God himself made the seventh day holy by resting from the other six days of creation, so too are his people to celebrate the Sabbath by breaking from their six days of work. And when he says six days you should labor and do all your work, God is implying that Israel was to budget, was to steward the other six days such that they would actually be free to weekly enter into a full Sabbath and physical rest. God is telling his people, don't simply follow my command, follow my lead. Sabbath like I Sabbathed, rest like I rested on the seventh day. Now, God doesn't provide here in the context of the fourth commandment specific details on the type of work Israel was to cease from doing on the Sabbath. But throughout the remainder of the Old Testament, we get various practices on the Sabbath that were condemned. In Exodus 34, it condemns plowing and harvesting on the Sabbath. Nehemiah 13 condemns both the treading of a wine press and the transportation of goods for sale on the Sabbath. Jeremiah 17 condemns carrying heavy loads of merchandise on the Sabbath. And Amos 8 condemns buying and selling of wheat on the Sabbath. From these texts, we can conclude that the Sabbath was to be at least a cessation from those daily labors by which God's people earned a living. The Sabbath was to be a break from business as usual, a break from the ancient Near Eastern nine to five grind. The Sabbath was a time of physical rest and reprieve, a time of rehabilitation, of recuperation, of rejuvenation, all in remembrance, observance, and celebration of both God's work in creation and, as our Deuteronomy passage highlights, God's work in Israel's redemption. 
Deuteronomy 5.15 reads, You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. And God declares that remembering the Sabbath requires not only a break from our own personal grind, but a responsibility to help free others from their regular toil and labor. Look back at our Exodus passage beginning at verse 9. He says, six days you shall labor and do all your work, but on the seventh day uh, is a, the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant or female servant, or your livestock or the sojourner who was in, within your gates. In other words, God is telling his people, I want you to do whatever you can to help free others to Sabbath with you. My Sabbath is to be a community rest event, an occasion celebrated with both your own physical rest and with the physical rest and relief that you help bring to others. In summary, brothers and sisters, God commands and invites his people to experience a weekly physical rest and the opportunity to help others do the same, all in celebration of his glorious work in creation and his mighty work in redemption. So what does all this mean for us today? How exactly should we go about physically resting and helping others do the same on the Sabbath? Well, the reality is, I'm not sure what that will look like exactly for you in your life. I don't know exactly what your daily grind is that God is calling you to break from on the Sabbath. I can't tell you exactly what not going about business as usual means for you in your life. So I can't give you a specific all-encompassing application, but I can challenge you and me, and us, to begin thinking well and honestly about what it is in my six days that God is calling me to personally break from, to be freed from on the Sabbath day each week. I challenge us to think about how we budget our other six days to allow us to embrace God's command of weekly physical Sabbath day rest. And I challenge all of us to consider deeply how what we do on Sundays either helps or hurts others' ability to, along with us, enter the physical rest and relief of the Sabbath. And I challenge us to begin thinking about that today. Begin the conversation in community. Have the conversation in your family. Have the conversation in community groups or with friends. Begin praying in community about how we can help one another to remember the Sabbath day, to keep it holy by physically resting. The Sabbath day is about physical rest. And as we see in our Hebrew passage, 
The Sabbath is also about spiritual rest. The Sabbath is about both rest for the body and rest for the soul. Now, before we dive into this Hebrew passage, let me give you a little bit of background and context. The book of Hebrews was written um, to uh, first century Hebrews uh, that were Christians who were beginning to drift away from their new Christian faith and back towards their old Jewish tradition. And this kind of going back or backsliding was largely due to the persecution they were experiencing because of their conversion to this new rebel Christian faith. And in an effort to encourage a renewed, firm commitment to the faith, the writer of Hebrews reminds them why Christ is better than everything in their old covenant religious system. And in chapter 3, the writer describes how Jesus is the better Moses and the better Joshua by showing how Jesus provides a better rest a rest that neither Moses nor his successor, Joshua, could provide, a rest that was greater and deeper than even what was available in the promised land. The writer reminds them that under Moses, a whole generation of their ancestors failed to enter the physical rest of the promised land because of their lack of trust in God's promises and provision. And while the next generation under Joshua's leadership did finally enter the promised land, there was still another rest, a deeper rest that awaited them in the future. And the writer proclaims that this deeper rest, this soul level rest is a soul level rest found only in Christ Jesus. So now look with me at our Hebrews passage. Let's look at just the first three verses. Therefore, while the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us fear lest any of you should seem to have failed to reach it. For good news came to us just as to them. But the message they heard did not benefit them because they were not united by faith with those who listened. For we who have believed enter that rest. Stop there. In other words, for those who have placed their faith in Christ, have placed their faith in Christ alone for salvation, they have entered this future rest, this spiritual rest, this Sabbath rest of the soul. Put another way, when a person places their faith in Christ, they immediately enter into a spiritual promised land. And in this promised land, Jesus provides our souls with both abundant spiritual provision and absolute soul security. And so just as Moses in our Deuteronomy passage based Sabbath keeping, on God's physical redemption of Israel, out from Egyptian bondage, our Sabbath keeping is founded on Christ's spiritual redemption of us from the chains of Satan and sin. Brothers and sisters, the Sabbath signifies and commemorates Jesus Christ's perfect life, sacrificial death, and triumphant resurrection, which ransomed Sabbath rest for our souls. 
we also see the writer of Hebrews bringing back to mind that original Sabbath rest in Genesis to further expand our understanding of this soul rest. Back in verses 3 and 4, he says, For we who have believed entered that rest. As he has said, as I swore my wrath, they shall not enter my rest, although his works were finished from the foundation of the world. For he has somewhere spoken of the seventh day in this way. And God rested on the seventh day from all his works. The writer here is making the profound point that the rest that God offers us in salvation is nothing less than an invitation to enter the very rest he has enjoyed since the completion of his creation work. See, when God rested on the seventh day, seventh day, he rested from all his works. He didn't get up in the morning for more creation work. Get this. God's seventh day rest wasn't temporary. It was permanent. It was a forever rest, an eternal rest. On the seventh day, God looked out at creation, which he had made and ordered and subdued, all according to his sovereign plan, and he enthroned himself. He sat down on his heavenly throne and kicked his feet up on the earth, as Isaiah 66 said. He made it his footstool, and he's been ruling the universe from a rest position ever since. God declared in his resting on the seventh day, that I am Lord of all, and I am and will always be uncontested in my sovereign rule. And so Hebrews is telling us that to enter God's eternal rest through Jesus Christ means entering into a relationship with this sovereign God, which means you don't have to worry about whether or not you have a place in heaven. You don't have to worry about whether you'll endure as a Christian. You don't have to worry about the crazy, sick things this world will throw at you. You can stare in the face of loss and suffering and even death and fear not. Because in Christ Jesus, you have already entered the presence of the God of creation, the God of redemption, the God of the Sabbath, who has your soul anchored to his everlasting throne in heaven. You ever been driving alone on your way home late at night and you feel yourself dozing off? And you try all kinds of things to stay awake, right? Cut up the AC, roll down the windows, turn up the music, stop at that sketchy gas station in the middle of nowhere to get a Coke or Red Bull, whatever, just something to keep you awake, anything to help you just make it home. And the whole time you're driving, you're like tense and tired and jittery from all the caffeine all at the same time. And you want nothing more than to just make it home so that you can finally rest. Brothers and sisters, Jesus calls out today, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. 
all you who are driving alone through this life on the dark roads of this world, you who are tense, tired, and jittery, come to me, Jesus says, and I will give you rest, rest from your sins and rest from the fear of the troubles of this world. Now, Jesus makes it clear that you will still have troubles in this world. You still will have to ride on those dark, dangerous roads in life, but you don't have to fear because I have overcome the world for you. I, the Lord Jesus, have taken over the wheel so that you can recline and rest in the passenger seat. Amen? In Christ, believers can spiritually rest in this life. But the rest that Jesus provides us in this life, as real and as wonderful as it is, is just an appetizer to the main course of Sabbath rest that still awaits us. As verse 9 in our Hebrew passage reads, there still remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. Brothers and sisters, yes, we have real rest for our souls in Christ now. But the best rest is yet to come. Amen? There still remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God, one that we will experience in the new heavens and the new earth. As Revelation 21.4 says, the, the, in the new heavens and new earth, the dwelling place of God will be with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God, and he will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more, neither shall there be mourning or crying nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. Today, if you have placed your faith in Jesus, you have the real and robust blessing of spiritual rest in this life. Jesus has indeed taken over the wheel and placed you in the passenger seat to relieve you of the soul tension and anxiety that you experience of driving around this world on your own. Believer in Christ, you can spiritually rest today. But how many people know that resting in the passenger seat ain't nothing like finally getting home and stretching out and resting on your bed? The rest we experience in this life is not the full and complete stretching yourself out on the bed kind of rest. There remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. One that we will experience when Jesus finally pulls into the driveway of our eternal home and carries us inside to finally and forever rest in the comfort of glory. So to remember the Sabbath day means to celebrate the already but not yet soul rest we have in Christ. So just like we asked in relation to the physical rest of the Sabbath, we must also consider what remembering the Sabbath with spiritual rest should look like for us today? What should the celebration of our spiritual rest in Christ look like for us on Sunday Sabbath? 
Well, I think that at least means spending some time in practices and activities that help drive our minds and hearts towards and not away from recognition and celebration of the spiritual rest that Christ has won for us. And there is no better practice or activity to rightly recognize and celebrate our spiritual rest in Christ than to participate in Sunday, public, corporate, worship. There is truly no better way to celebrate the Sabbath than to have a real and radical weekly encounter with the triune God himself in God-centered, Christ-centered, God-exalting, spirit-led, gospel-saturated worship service. A worship service where we joined with other brothers and sisters in a covenant community of people who have also entered into this already but not yet rest of Jesus. Brothers and sisters, celebrating our spiritual rest in Christ on the Sabbath day looks like what we try to do up in here every Sunday at 10 a.m. It looks like hearing together God's call to us to enter the rest of his worship. It looks like singing praises together to God for the soul rest which he has secured for us. It looks like confessing our sins together and being reminded that we can rest in the the security of our assurance of pardon. It looks like praying together for greater levels of rest in the midst of this world. It looks like giving an offering together to celebrate the rest that Jesus has bought for us on the cross. It looks like listening well together to God's word read and preached and experiencing the power of God's word to rehabilitate, recoup, rejuvenate our tired souls. It looks like declaring our faith together in a renewed commitment to rest in Christ and Christ alone. It looks like coming to the Lord's table together to experience the refreshment and soul strengthening of God's sensible grace to us. And it looks like receiving together a final good word, a benediction to encourage and embolden and empower our souls as we turn to face the demons and the devils, the struggles and the troubles of the world. Worship, Sunday, public, corporate worship is the best way to celebrate and experience the spiritual rest that we have in Christ. Brothers and sisters, remember the Sabbath day. Celebrate it by pursuing physical rest for ourselves and for others and with worship. If you're a believer this morning, I hope that you have been encouraged and motivated and even inspired by the privilege of God's call to you to Sabbath. Contrary to what you might have thought beforehand, contrary to even even how I thought before I started digging into these texts, The Sabbath commands aren't handcuffs. Rather, I hope you see now, they're actually the key. The key to unlock the handcuffs of busyness and idolatry and anxiety the world is constantly trying to slap onto your wrist. 
Embrace, brothers and sisters, your invitation to Sabbath. If you are not a believer this morning, if you have not yet entered the rest that is available in Christ Jesus, I simply repeat to you the words from my Hebrew passage. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. The promise of entering the rest still stands. Enter it today. We'll have some folks up here in these red chairs, and we'll also have some folks in the red chairs in the back that want you to come and talk with them about what it means to enter and experience this rest today. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Let us pray. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, Triune God, we thank you for the gift of Sabbath rest. Help us, Lord, to more fully embrace this gift. Give us the faith and the courage to repent for our failure to trust you and your command to faithfully Sabbath. Lord, some here today may not have yet entered the sole rest that you offer in Christ Jesus. I pray that you call them, even right now, Lord, into an eternal rest where they can hand over the wheel today so that they too can one day arrive at an eternal home where the promise is that every day will be a Sabbath day. In the name of Jesus Christ, the Lord of the Sabbath, we pray. Amen.